the NBA Finals start in a few hours from now, and the Wesley Snipes holding the gun crying meme is the way I feel right now, because it's my favorite team, the Miami Heat, going up against my favorite player in the NBA, LeBron James. And before I get into predicting how this series is going to go, I feel the need to give myself a pat on the back, because I predicted um, about a month ago that Lakers Heat would be the finals. I told my youngest brother that Lakers Heat would be the finals, and he laughed at me. He asked me how the fifth-seeded Heat were going to stand up to the mighty first-seeded Bucks. And to that, I told him that the Bucks would have to do one of two things to, to win that series. Either Giannis would have to hit jump shots, or Chris Middleton would have to average 25-plus, and of course, neither happened. The NBA playoffs are all about matchups, and the Miami Heat were the worst possible matchup the Milwaukee Bucks could have drawn. The Heat were perfectly built to stop Giannis. If these NBA playoffs have taught us anything, it's the fact that Bam Adebayo is, is probably the most unique defender in the NBA beside Anthony Davis. He can guard 1-5. through five. He can do it all defensively. Now, had the Heat not made that trade at the deadline for Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder, chances are they're not in the finals right now. Chances are it's the Celtics. But that trade gave the Heat the wing defenders they needed to check Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And those were the two guys you needed to get past Boston. Boston is the most dynamic offensive team in the Eastern Conference. And it took a lot in those six games for Miami to beat them. Austin had their opportunities to win games one and two, to win games four and six. The Heat simply out-executed them when it mattered. This whole playoffs, the Heat have been the best team in the fourth quarter, in crunch time, with five minutes or left, with the score within five points. Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic, and Tyler Hero have all demonstrated the ability to hit tough shots when it matters. And that's what you need in the playoffs when the game slows down and defenses take away the primary things you do well as a team. Now, with regards to the Lakers, I had them winning the West all along. I never believed that the Clippers would win the West because I saw glaring flaws on their roster, namely the lack of a rim protector and the lack of a true playmaker. Kawhi Leonard was the Clippers' best playmaker this season. And while he has improved in that area, he is not somebody who in the playoffs is going to make elite reads. He makes basic passes out of double teams. Furthermore, their third and fourth scoring options, Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell, were exposed for the defensive liabilities that they are. And if you go back and watch the Lakers-Clippers matchup on March the 8th, you would notice that LeBron James targeted Lou Williams down the stretch of that game. This forced Doc Rivers to take Lou Williams out of the game, and when he did that, LeBron James turned to Marcus Morris. It is for this reason that I never had the Clippers winning the West. The Lakers, if you've watched them closely, have been the most versatile team in the NBA all year. With regards to the myriad of ways in which they can play, they can go with AD at center, they can go with LeBron James at center, or Marcus Morris at center. They can go with Anthony Davis at the power forward position with Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee. They can throw three guard lineups out there. And so much has been made over the, the fact that they don't have a, a true third option. People have been trying to make Kyle Kuzma into that. He's really not that. But the Lakers don't necessarily need a third scorer. 
It can be a different guy every night. One night, it can be Kyle Kuzma. The next, it could be Markeith Morris or Kentavious Caldwell Pope, and so on and so forth. Offensively, it can be rough at times because they play a lot of two big lineups, and they don't have a real sharpshooter on the roster. Their best shooters are Kentavious Caldwell Pope, Markeith Morris, and then LeBron James after that. However, defensively, they are by they were by far and away the best defensive team in these playoffs. I see an all-defensive second team in Alex Caruso's future. I see a defensive player of the year in Anthony Davis's future. I felt as though LeBron James should have been on the all-defensive second team this year. People are only now seeing how valuable LeBron James was on that end uh, this whole season. Just this past round against Denver, he was guarding Jamal Murray in the fourth quarter, and I expect that to continue in these finals against Goran Dragic, because Dragic really is the key for Miami. He's somebody who doesn't need a play run for him. He can go off script and get his own shot. In the game four, no, no, sorry, game three loss against Boston, it was Goran Dragic who was scoring the points that kept Miami in the game for the third quarter and uh, the beginning of the fourth quarter until Boston uh, blew that game open. Now moving on to the matchup. Miami is a massive underdog in this series. All the major betting sites are betting on the Lakers. Uh, Miami, I think, was given a 70-1 to 1 chance of even being in the finals. So that just goes to show you how much of an underdog we are in this series. But despite the fact that Miami is an underdog, and despite the fact that the Lakers have the two best players in the series with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, the Miami Heat possess two decisive advantages. Uh, the first being three-point shooting. The Heat j- shot just 32% from three in the conference finals as a team, which is very concerning. However, in the regular season, they were the second best team by percentage. Duncan Robinson is the best shooter in the NBA, not wearing a Golden State Warriors jersey. Tyler Hero is a pure shooter. His mid-range game is automatic. Goran Dragic can get hot. Kelly Olenek can get hot. And Jay Crowder, while he's cooled off lately, there was a point in these playoffs where he was shooting 40% from three, or over 40% from three, on eight attempts per game. Miami's going to need that version of Jay Crowder if they're going to win this series. In spite of the three-point shooting, the other advantage that the Miami Heat have is, of course, coaching. I think if these playoffs have shown anything, it is the fact that Eric Spolstra is the best coach in the NBA today. And that shouldn't be a controversial statement. He is the best coach in the NBA today, and he will do anything to win. Can we prove this? Yes. Kendrick Nunn was Miami's starting shooting guard all year. Plays poorly in the bubble, and Spolstra benches him for Goran Dragic. We haven't looked back since. As a matter of fact, none has completely fallen out of the rotation as of late. Another key adjustment Spolstra made was benching Myers Leonard for Jay Crowder, which made the Heat much more athletic, much more switchable defensively, and which put Bam out of bio at the five, which is his best position in today's NBA. It allows Bam to play free safety on defense. He could roam everywhere throughout the court. I remember the first of the two matchups Miami had against LA this season. Uh, It was on November the 8th. Spolstra threw his uh, patented zone defense at LeBron James, and it flustered him. 
Uh, he looks <laughs> something like 2011 LeBron James in that game. 2011 finals, to be specific with you. Spolstra's zone is unique in that he puts his two forwards at the top of the zone. Uh, typically, what uh, NBA coaches will do is that they'll have their two guards at the top of the zone, but not Spolstra. He puts his forwards there. And what that does is put length at the top, increasing the team's chances at deflections and steals, leading to open fast break opportunities. In this series, I would expect Spolstra to use uh, sort of a hybrid zone because uh, the last thing Miami can afford is for Anthony Davis to get wide open uh, mid-range jump shots at the free throw line. At that point, you're practically begging to lose. Either that or what he'll do is play man-to-man -man defense when Anthony Davis is in the game. And when Anthony Davis is off the floor, he will resort to the zone then. And he'll force LeBron James to shoot jump shots, force the Lakers perimeter players to shoot jump shots. Now those guys can hit timely shots. Uh, I see them get disrespected a lot on the internet, but they are capable of hitting timely shots. You just have to play to the percentages. The percentages will tell you that there is no sharpshooter on the Lakers roster. That's of course unless Danny Green uh, gets out of his funk and has one of those series like he did in 2013 and 14. I'll tell you, I used to hate Danny Green when he was on the Spurs because he would light up the heat. That Danny Green has been gone uh, largely since the Spurs got LaMarcus Aldridge. He hasn't uh, been sharpshooter like that. Last year, he shot 40% from three in the regular season, but he absolutely struggled in the playoffs and in the finals outside of game three, where he had one of those virtuoso three-point shooting performances. These playoffs, he's been largely anemic, but he has shown that he can hit the three when needed. He's hit a few key threes against Denver, be an x-factor for the Lakers in this series. The zone will seed uh, three-point looks, open three-point looks for him. He's going to have to bury them at an efficient clip, probably 40% or higher. Now as far as x-factors are concerned for the Heat, I already explained why I believe Goran Dragic is a huge x-factor. The other players who need to come up big if Miami has any hope of winning this series are Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder particularly is a guy who's defensive performance is largely is largely predicated by his offensive performance what i mean by that is despite the fact that he has this reputation as a lockdown defender uh, he really isn't that uh, he's a very solid defender when his shot isn't falling he'll really frustrate you because he has this tendency to commit bad fouls not the quickest player on the perimeter either He's more of a, uh, a power wing. You want him on the post to guard LeBron James, but you don't want him to guard LeBron James when he's out on the perimeter. Uh, that job has to be reserved for uh, one of Jimmy Butler or Andre Iguodala. When Crowder is hitting his shot, though, it just gives him added confidence on the defensive end. That's just the way I see it. So the Heat are going to need Crowder to have a very good series. We can't afford for him to shoot the way he shot against Boston outside the first two games. As for Duncan Robinson, I expect the Lakers to key in on the dribble handoffs he gets with Bam Adebayo, which are his bread and butter offensively. Lakers are going to run Duncan off the three-point line, and he has to respond in kind by attacking them on closeouts. That's something I noticed he, he did very well in Game 6 against the Celtics. He had a couple of positions, possessions where he attacked the closeout, he, he went off the dribble, he got to the rim, and he finished. That's a trend that's going to have to go up. Tyler Hero's a guy who I don't worry about anymore. Uh, if LeBron James is on him, that's one thing. 
Uh, his primary defender will be Alex Caruso. And as I said previously in this video, I believe that Alex, Alex Caruso will be a name for the all-defensive second team maybe as soon as next year. Uh, however, given that Tyler Hero was not phased by Marcus Smart, uh, I very much doubt that he'll be phased by Alex Caruso. Hero just has an it factor. It's something that uh, rookies in this league don't commonly have. The fact that he was able to average almost 20 a game against a very good defensive Boston Celtics team just speaks to the level of confidence he has in himself. He can take you off the dribble. He can finish in the lane in a myriad of different ways. His mid-range game is automatic. His three-point shot is near automatic. The one thing with him is that he struggles with length. Uh, when Jalen Brown was on him, uh, he could not get a shot off, which is why I, th I wouldn't uh, be surprised if LeBron James saw possessions on Hero. I do think that in the fourth quarter, the primary guy LeBron James will be guarding is Goran Dragic because he's the key to the Heat's offense. But if Tyler Hero is hot, uh, he may very easily be on Tyler Hero. Another X factor for the Heat, weirdly enough, is Jimmy Butler. Uh, you don't normally say that your star player is an X factor, but in this case, he is because uh, throughout these playoffs, largely, Butler has uh, been a pass first player. He has not looked for his own shot for the most part outside of the 40 point game he had against Milwaukee. Uh, he's looked to pass first and then he looks for his shot in the fourth quarter when the game is tight. But that's not going to fly against LA. Why is it not going to fly against LA? Because Bam Adebayo is for lack of a better term going to be in prison for this series. Now I'm a Heat fan, but if there's one thing I am before a Heat fan, it's an objective fan. Bam Adebayo in this series is going to have to go up against the likes of Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard. That's two of the best defensive big men in the NBA. With that in mind, Jimmy Butler cannot be a pass-first player in this series. He has to look to score first and dominate Danny Green, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, whichever Lakers wing is defending him. The Lakers have smaller wings. Uh, Kyle Kuzma and LeBron James are really their only big wings. I guess you can could, could consider Markeith Morris as part of that class too. He spends most of his time defensively at the four. So with that in mind, Jimmy Butler has to look to get into the post, back down uh, Danny Green and or Contavious Caldwell-Pope, get them into foul trouble, get easy points near the rim. Really, I think this is a series where he has to average at least 25 points, if not more, validate in people's minds why he's a top 10 player. Uh, many people now have Jimmy Butler in their top 10. I don't quite have him there. I have him at number 11 behind Damian Lillard, but the playoffs has changed the popular perception of him as a player. For these playoffs, you had people arguing whether or not Jimmy Butler should even be in the top 20 because he shot 24% from three in the regular season. And if you're Jimmy Butler, you have to look to dispel that notion permanently. Now is your time to do it. Uh, Goran Dragic cannot be Miami's leading scorer in this series if Miami expects to pull off the upset. Besides Jimmy Butler's point production, I think the biggest uh, thing to look for in this series is Bam out of bio. He has to stay out of foul trouble for Miami to have a chance. He has to. Because we really have no other viable bigs to use in this series. Kelly Olenek is a great three-point shooter. He does a lot of things well offensively, moves the ball, but 
Defensively, he got eaten alive by Ennis Cantor in the, in the conference finals, and I expect that to only continue against the likes of Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis if he's in the game come the second quarter. This might be a series where Eric Spolstra has to dust off Myers Leonard. Uh, Leonard has not really played at, since the Bucks series. There was one game where Kelly Olenek uh, had to sit out due to injury. Myers Leonard took his place, and he... <laughs> He was out of the game after five minutes. He was really bad at both ends. Uh, that being said, I hope Myers Leonard is ready because we might need him in this series. He is the only uh, Miami Heat player who is seven foot or above. Bam Adebayo is 6'9", Kelly Olenek 6'10". Olenek does not have the girth uh, necessary to defend a Dwight Howard. So, With that in mind, I'm curious to see who's going to start out tonight's game on Anthony Davis. If it's Bam Adebayo or if it's Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder had a uh, D defensive rating in the post this season. Uh, that doesn't fare well, but you might have to uh, lick your chops and go with him on at least to start the game against Anthony Davis because you can't afford for Bam Adebayo to pick up a couple of early fouls. At that point, you're in hot water. I do expect Bam to have a lot of success against Anthony Davis in single coverage, however. Uh, if there's one thing that should be noted for this series, it's the fact that this is the first legitimately good, or should I say great, defensive team the Lakers have played all postseason. Portland was an atrocious defensive team. Denver was not particularly good. And Houston, even though uh, they locked up on the perimeter, the interior was just a joke. X5 PJ Tucker as your center. For the Lakers, the key is to break the zone early. And you can accomplish this by starting Markeith Morris at the 4 and Anthony Davis at the 5. Uh, with that lineup, you have three shooters around LeBron James and Anthony Davis who the, who the Heat have to pay attention to. Now, if Vogel elects to start Dwight Howard as opposed to Markeith Morris, I would expect for him to try to exploit uh, that matchup depending on if Jay Crowder is on Howard. Howard would just have to use his superior strength and size uh, when Crowder is attempting to front him. LeBron will feed him the ball, and all he has to do is simply go over the top of Crowder and score. If the Lakers break the zone early, then there should be a quick series in their favor. If not, this will be a long series. A lot has to go right for the Heat to win this series. They need a great series from Jimmy Butler, 25 points or more per game. They need Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero collectively to shoot 40% from three. They need Bam Adebayo to stay out of foul trouble, and they need to find a way to defend Anthony Davis in the non-BAM minutes. It demands four games of perfect or near-perfect basketball for the Heat to win this series, which is why, as much as my heart wants me to pick them in this matchup, my head is telling me that this will wind up being a Lakers victory in six games. I say six games for two reasons. Firstly, the Heat play both ends of the ball on a string. They're always connected, they're always together, and they always play hard. You can, you'll never see a moment in time where the Heat don't play hard. And as I mentioned before, the coaching advantage. Eric Spolstra has some stuff up his sleeve. He knows LeBron perhaps better than any coach knows him in this league, even more than Frank Vogel. I expect most, if not all, of the games in this series to be close, to go down to the wire, and I expect that come crunch time, the Lakers will put the clamps on the heat. Uh, everybody always talks about how 
you know, who's going to stop Damian Lillard and the Lakers or who's going to stop James Harden and Russell Westbrook. But nobody ever talks about uh, who's going to score on the Lakers. If you watch the Western Conference Finals closely, uh, in Denver's Game 3 victory, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic had to hit horse shots. In these fourth, in the fourth quarters of these games, I expect LeBron James to be on Goran Dragic. I expect the Lakers to have lock and key on Duncan Robinson. And I don't see LeBron James being denied in this series. I really don't. Uh, this is personal to him in many ways, given how, given Pat Riley's comments after his departure from Miami back to Cleveland. It was wrongdoing on both sides, but ultimately Pat Riley is not the one playing on the court. LeBron James is. A lot is made over the fact that uh, the Heat have Jimmy Butler and Andre Iguodala throughout LeBron James, but ultimately if LeBron James decides that he's going to go for 50, he's going to go for 50, and there's nothing you can do at that point. In the fourth quarters of these games, I think the Lakers will be just a little bit better than the Heat, which is why my final prediction is Lakers in six. Now, as far as how tonight goes, I think the Heat win tonight. Uh, LeBron James in finals is one in eight in game ones. And the one game that he won was in 2011. It was when he had the epic choke against Dallas. Means the biggest stain on his career. Is this postseason are one and two in game ones? They came out lethargically game one against Portland, and they came out lethargically game one against Houston. I think that trend continues tonight. I think Miami's going to look sharp tonight, and I think they're going to win game one decisively. And if it turns out I'm right and Miami does win game one, I'm going to be very happy, but I'm not going to be celebrating in the slightest because. I know what LeBron James historically has done after Game 1 losses. Game 1s mean nothing to him. If the Heat went up 2-0, I wouldn't be celebrating. The only event I would be celebrating is if the Heat go up 3-0 or if they win it all. That's it. NBA history has shown that a 2-0 lead is not insurmountable in the slightest. Miami could easily go up 2-0 in this series and lose 4 straight. And just as Miami could do that, the Lakers could do that. The Lakers could go up 2-0 and then proceed to lose the next two games. If the Lakers go up 2-0, I'm not going to be sweating. Game 3 would decide that series. So in my conclusion, I have the Lakers winning this series in six games for the reasons I laid out. Uh, as a Heat fan, if my conclusion does turn out true... I would be very disappointed, it would be a heartbreaking loss, but at the same time, nobody expected the Heat to be here. And the Heat are the only contender this offseason with real financial legway. I believe they have $22 million in cap space. So this Heat team will be even better next year. All we have to do is add a legitimate big man uh, to back up Bam Adebayo or to even start alongside him. Uh, we could use some additional perimeter defenders as well. Because the, the, the whole reason Miami even runs zone is, is due to the fact that you have Goran Dragic, Duncan Robinson, and Tyler Hero. Those are three of the top eight players in your rotation. And the three of them are not good defenders. Which is another thing that plays into the Lakers' hands in this series. Uh, if you go man-to-man -man in the fourth quarter, LeBron James is going to target those guys. As he did Lou Williams on March the 8th. But back to the Heat. If they, if they do wind up losing this series, as I predict... It'll be heartbreaking in the moment, but the future does look extremely bright. The Eastern Conference once again 
should run through Miami next season. The Brooklyn Nets, uh, Kyrie is coming back from injury. Kevin Durant is coming back from having torn his Achilles. And their roster is presently constructed, is lacking in terms of perimeter defense, in terms of interior defense, because the two superstars don't believe in Jared Allen. DeAndre Jordan isn't that guy anymore. So the East still should run through Miami next season, uh, barring a precipitous leap by uh, Jason Tatum and or Jalen Brown in Boston. So I have immense faith in the Heat front office. And if I am wrong and Miami does win this series, then I'll be jumping up and down. Enjoy. Like I said before, this is my favorite team. And my heart is telling me to pick them. It's just that everything... I analyze the series to a T, and I try to be as objective as possible, so my objectivity cannot favor the Heat to win the series over the Lakers. If I were a fanboy like many are, <laughs> I would say Heat in seven, but I'm not going to go there. All we can do now is watch how these finals play out. Uh, game one is in two hours from now. I'm looking very much forward to it. I'm looking forward to see what Spolstra does defensively to counter LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the Lakers role players. And I'm particularly looking forward to see uh, who he plays when Bam Adebayo is off the floor, whether it's Kelly Olenek, Myers Leonard, or both. Uh, that's, pr- that's pretty much all I have to say. So thank you for listening to this.